0: Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. Thank you for joining us this morning. Again, my name is Pastor Freddie from the Tribe Lagos and the Tribe Abuja. This morning, we're having a combined service and um, there's so much going on around us in the country today when you look at America everywhere is going up in flames racism and then coming into Nigeria here the rape cases are on the rise and suddenly everywhere we're having reports unfold but I remember reading a particular quote once and that thing got me thinking and this is what it says we saw that the world was shaking and we ran to God and discovered he was the one shaking it I think what's happening here now is that everything that is happening across the world is not bringing the world to destruction, but it's bringing the world to redemption. Right? Every shaking is an opportunity for God to move in and bring about His healing. We've been doing this series called The Man in the Mirror and I want to basically share this today and I'm going to basically talk about healing in the context of what we're talking about. The Man in the Mirror, we drew our scripture from 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, I'll quickly read. It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Now, interestingly, and I will give us a context of um, the, the metaphor of a mirror that as we are looking consistently into the word of God, we're looking into Christ, we're taking on that image of Christ. And that's the call of every believer that you and I are called not to look at anything else but Christ. But the reality is that sometimes we're already shaped, right? So you're basically reshaping yourself in Christ. Many things that have defined us, there there are stories we were born into, there are stories we were raised in, the culture we were raised in, the stories we heard about ourselves. All of these things contribute in the making of a man. But unfortunately, all of the making of a man was actually the Adamic man. Now, when we encounter God in salvation, God takes us from this world into this other world where we move away from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Let's look again at 2 Corinthians 13, verse 12, it says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but they are face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have always been known. So what this particular scripture is says, when Paul was writing to the church in Corinthians, he was talking about that I, I, I am growing into an awareness of myself as I look into the mirror. Now, he spoke of the, the previous one that with unveiled faces, and I, in, in the first series, I spoke about false veils, the kind of veils we wear, and I said they are ideological veils, the veils we carry, ideological veils that maybe you have a perception of God that you've, we, you were raised in, many of us were raised in deep culture of religion, tradition, and those things can color our views of God. And if you have views of God that are not consistent with the views that God, Christ revealed about God, our journey and our call is to make a transition to see God through the eyes of Christ. Because across the Bible is a journey, the Bible is not just a book, the Bible is a library of 66 books written by different authors across different centuries, over a, tu- a thousand years. Collecting all of those things together, you find that there is an evolution of thought what men thought of God came to a crunch point when Christ manifested because Christ became God's own self-revelation and he revealed God to us. Now, I'm going to kickstart this morning's series by looking at a particular scripture in Proverbs 27 verse 19. Proverbs 27 verse 19 says, As in water face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects man. It's is an interesting scripture. that As in water face reflects face, the heart of man reflects the man. Now, remember what Proverbs also says in Proverbs 4.23, that guard your heart with all diligence, out of it flows the issues of life. Now, let's talk about the heart of man and the state of society. Now, this is what it is. The heart of man does not only reflect the man, the state of society also is a reflection of the heart of man, right? That's what we're seeing here, that the heart of man does not only reflect the man, but even the state of society reflects the heart of man. So, what you begin to realize again is we were raised in a culture that did nothing but break us. I can actually say almost categorically that a significant number of people today need healing on a level or two. Many of us were raised in a place where um, the kind of experiences we had broke us. Your ideas of what it means to be a man, the kind of ideas you have about raising a family, the kind of ideas you have about living your life, all of these things are already shaped by a broken culture. When we are coming into a society where we're seeing racism, we're seeing rape, we're seeing tribalism or ethnicity, it's already speaking to the fact that there are false mirrors that have defined man for so long. And now Christ comes with a new mirror and he's saying, take these mirrors away and let me look at, show you who you are and you become that person that Christ has invited us to be. And let me talk about the the case of the social justice we're all calling for. Rape is happening in Nigeria at every turn, but why is rape even happening? Guys, you know what? someone is violating another person and we were seeing it on every scale. Ladies are being raped, guys are being raped, so it's not a very tidy topic. Our society has had a shame culture for so long, people could not speak up, suddenly people are speaking up now. But I can say, f- when you see a man raping another, a lady, there is something terribly dysfunctional about someone that will choose to violate somebody else. But a broken man doesn't only break women, he also breaks families. He breaks other men. So we are seeing brokenness as the root cause. There is a sin problem that is feeding itself. So racism is only a consequence of something that is deeply in situ. It's It's not the cause. There is a cause that is giving rise to racism. There's a cause that is giving rise to rape. There's a cause that is giving rise to divorce. There's a cause that is giving rise to corruption. All of these things point to the fact that the heart of man was not designed for man to live by itself. The heart of man was designed to be occupied by God. So suddenly... We have given ourselves over to reprobate affection. So sometimes a man is raping a lady because of pleasure. Think about it, or is raping a lady because of power to overpower her. Now, all of these things, pleasure and power, they are wrong parameters upon which man can find the motivation. But when we are dealing with this society, every one of us then need to step back from all that we've lived through. So if you're calling out, protest doesn't always translate into healing. What translates into healing is that every one of us need to take out time for self-reflection. And we don't do that enough in this part of the world. In Nigeria, we hardly reflect. I mean, you go from job to job. You blame the bosses for firing you, but you don't self-reflect on what you're doing wrong. You go from one relationship to another. You complain about your exes, but you don't reflect to think, Why am I losing all of these things? What is wrong with me? Because oftentimes, if you don't pause and reflect on your contribution to the failed relationship, if you don't pause and reflect on your contribution to the failed marriage, if you don't pause and reflect on your contribution to why you lost your job, you might never come to a point of resolution. If you blame everybody else and you don't reflect on yourself, you fail to see that you're also part of the problem. So we live in a society where people are calling other people's name, But at the end of the day, if you're complaining about racism in America, but you can't let your sister marry from another tribe, you're a racist. It's a simple thing, right? So he's Igbo, she's Yoruba, we're caught up in those things. Trust me, those things, are they don't matter. But we're caught up in them because, and they were looking at America, and we're calling out the white guys, we're calling out their force. But here in Nigeria, you're still pretty much a racist. You need to also pause and reflect. How is this in your own personal life? How well accepting are you of people who, don't, who are not like you? They don't believe like you do. They don't dress like you do. They didn't go to the same school. They don't have the same circle of friends. And you realize the way you treat them is also an indication of the quality of your heart. Now let's even talk about a lot of people who treat nannies or maids. We know the stories that nannies and maids are usually very abused nigeria and across the world particularly in nigeria but the reason is a lot of people still cannot reflect because these nannies are made are coming from economic economically disadvantaged places doesn't mean make them subhuman or less than human You get the point but when we look away and we're treating our nannies we're treating our our drivers we're treating our gate men we're treating our colleagues with with a sense of disdain we don't we don't reflect the life of god So it's not about calling Americans out. It's about reflecting and asking myself, how deeply do I love and how genuinely do I love? And how do I treat other people who don't add up to my bottom line? Because if you call people out, but your life is too short on love, you're not making the progress. Christianity is a mirror. The word of God is a mirror. And the word of God placed before us is looking at us and it's cutting our heart And is saying, in a bit of pride here. There's a bit of impatience here. There's a bit of this. So when we dial into the word, we see where we're falling short. We see what we're not supposed to be. We see who we're supposed to be. We identify with who we're supposed to be and less of who we're not supposed to be. So that is important for every one of us. So I think this season is calling for every one of us to reflect. The Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked. Think about it. All the end, today we, we have uh, a scenario where we, ha- we, we would rather turn the blind eye or we would rather look beyond the pole in our eyes and we see the fault in the other people's eyes. Right? You see the, your fault, like, okay, that person has this fault, the other person has this problem, but not you. And here is the problem with all of these things. If you hear a sermon and the first thing you're thinking about is, hmm, this sermon is good for Toby. He should hear this sermon. Oh, this sermon is good for, it's good for my dad. I wish he was going to listen. I'll send him the link. you are talking about everybody else that will benefit from it and you're not thinking about how you can adjust to this so we're talking about a society today where and I think there is also a problem in how we raise men and it's almost, most men don't come into a place of self-reflection they don't come into a place of awareness and sorry I'm taking on the guys this morning but I can tell you for a fact Africa is still pretty much a society that tends to value um, if you don't have a male child you are not considered the wife of the family in some cultures, right? Or in some families, if you if you have five daughters and no male no male son, or not no male child, you are not considered the wife of the fi- of the house. So we are dealing with all of those things, and when when people because there is a sense that our culture is subtly twisted to favour men, when a man is actually growing up among sisters, he's treated as a little chief. So, when it's time to lift this place, as soon as you're the man of the house, your elder sisters will do that for you. Or uh, when it's time to, oh no, you don't have to do any of those things, your elder sisters will make your bed. So, what we do is that we remove the men from a place of responsibility. We don't teach them how to live in community with others. We make them feel entitled and they grow with that sense of entitlement because they are little chiefs. So, little chiefs grow up into men, but they are still boys. You can find him at 40, but he's still a 16 year old boy. You, you might even find that he's still a 12 year old boy in his mind. So there's a sense that our society has a way of freezing men and men are not able to come into it because we have this patriarchal lens where we feel the men of the, if you have a son, you are now a man. I, I beg to, to, to call that into question. If you're a 21st century couple and you're still treating your wife badly because you don't have a male son yet, you have a problem. I, I can tell you fairly you have a problem and I think it's important you must recognize that God gives children, whether you have all female children or you have all male children or you have no one at all, it doesn't mean that you should treat each other with this thing the marriage is more important than the children that come after you are not just getting married because of procreation right so the, that reasons of getting married because of procreation is insufficient for you to go into marriage there should be more there should be companionship there should be partnership so a lot of women today are being put out of their homes because of all of these things these same boys raised as little chiefs they get into workspaces and they're not able to understand that women don't have to cater to you so we have all these broken lenses through which men are raised and let me tell you for a fact as a young boy i also grew up I can't exactly remember talking about sex with anybody like it was just me trying to figure it out right but but my point is the African father his only job description is be a provider we don't understand that that is insufficient to raise children it's insufficient to raise boys we are fathers I'm calling you out guys you must learn to have tough conversations with your sons I don't know how uncomfortable it might be for you but if you don't have those conversations someone else will and my fear is they will pick up the wrong things that you are not, you're afraid of teaching them. So it's not about, you cannot afford to just resign or just assume that I'm a provider, therefore I'm a father. Being a father is about being physically present, it's about being emotionally present. And if you're physically present but emotionally absent in the lives of your children, you're still not raising a well-adjusted child. Most, most children today were dealing with all kinds of inferiority complex, all kinds of self-esteem issues. It's because they have a broken relationship while they were growing up with their fathers. There's an inner child in every man that is begging for life. That inner child, if he's broken, that man will always remain broken. So this morning, I want to talk about the inner child, the innocence in you and how that was lost. So many people have an experience of rape. And I think, like I said, it's only a reflection of the fact that our society is broken. If every one of us journey into a place of healing and wholeness, you know what we do? When we heal, the world benefits from that. The w- when we heal, we contribute healing into the world. Because, like I said, if those, the state of the world is a reflection of our lives, when we, are coming in, when we come into a place of healing, the world gets better for that. And when we don't come into that place of healing, all we have is brokenness. Now, a broken person breaks another person, and there's a ripple effect of brokenness. But a person that is whole and able to hold himself and to love, also sets into motion a ripple of love. Our call, my dear friend, is to set in motion a ripple of love. The entire world began by a lover seeking to express love. The world came into being because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit decided that they wanted to share their life and share their love with humanity. So the way you find a seed, when when you see a seed bloom or sprout, is because the life contained in the seed is just too thick to retain in the seed. So it burst forth and you'll find that it's, br- it's brimming. Creation came forth out of God because while the life that was in God could not be contained any further, you, my friend, you are an object of God's affection and God's love. God created you to love you. So the entire cosmos, the entire universe is an expression of God's love. Man is also both an expression of God's love, but it's also an expression of God's image and imaginations, so all of these things. Now, uh, at some point, the father sent his son. And at some point, the father and the son sent the Spirit. And now the father the son and the spirit has actually sent us that you guys have been reconciled to me now going to the work of reconciliation so we have a primary call as a believer particularly here at the tribe we keep emphasizing that our call is cultural renewal social reformation and personal transformation but at the very core whether it is personal transformation cultural renewal or societal transformation our demand from god is to reconcile the world to himself we are called to reconcile men to God. We are called to reconcile the systems of the world to God. When he says, go into all the world, go into Samaria, into Judea, and into the uttermost part of the earth, he wasn't speaking of Samaria alone as a location that is found in Israel. Samaria today is no longer a location found in Israel. Samaria to us has become the nation of teenagers. So God is saying going to the nation of teenagers, Judea could, could very well be the community of Yahoo Boys. And he's saying go into that community of Yahoo boys. Right? The Aristo girls, the, the, the strippers club. Now these are the location where we are, we are sent to take the gospel. If we become removed insular, and not in contact with the world, how else can the world get the substance that we carry? The Bible calls us salt of the earth, light of the world. Why would he waste such lavish words to describe our call? He said, the city set upon a hill cannot be hidden, and you're the light of the world. You're set upon the hill, you cannot be hidden, and that's the invitation every one of us has been called to partake of. You're a partaker of light, you're a carrier of light. A broken world is begging for you to turn on your switch. But if you don't reflect and identify with the fact that you have the life of God inside of you, you, can ha- you have no switch to turn. The light in us is God. When we turn on the switch, the world benefits from that. He did not place us here to contribute brokenness. He placed us here to be part of the healing community. So every one of us here, we have a journey to heal. When you when someone calls you like I have a, I have a molestation experience, I have a rape experience. So this morning I want to walk you through your healing. Maybe you have all these memories. I mean, thinking about it, in the last couple of days, it's been the rupture has been deep. For many people who have walked through their own journey of rape and molestation. It's very hard to listen to the news and not be reminded of the traumas of the past. And when those traumas come, what do you do with your trauma? What do you do with your pain? Are are those things that you want to hide away or put aside? No. Being numb doesn't translate to being healed. Being indifferent doesn't translate to being healed. And even denial doesn't always translate to healing. We are called to a place of healing because healing is in God. Time doesn't always heal as people think. Is what you do in the time that allows for healing to happen. So how do you want to heal? First of all, if you are a victim of rape, I would advise that you take a personal ownership of your story. If you've been raped before, you've been molested, it happened. So let's not even try to say uh, it didn't happen. No, it happened. I'm sorry that it happened, but it happened. I don't know, maybe it was a trusted family or a friend or a stranger. Yes, it happened. But what it means is that if you never quite define the story for what it is, you become a victim of the story. And this morning, God has redeemed our innocence. Your story and your past might tell you are a victim, but in Christ, we find that we're we're actually a survivor. We're not just survivors, we're actually rising up and we're conquerors. So can you walk away from replacing your victimhood with a lens of victory is what this morning conversation is about. Your journey of healing is first of all, recognizing that Christ is your wholeness, Christ is your healer and Christ is your life and that the stories that happened in the past can no longer define you now so put a pause put a play, put a full stop and turn a new page let's let's write a new page the story of God's love for our lives right so i want you to own your story don't let it have power over you give it reinterpret your story from the lens of the cross rediscover who you are in god and embrace the fact that you're for, f- completely forgiven the second part to your whole healing is actually your ability to love and to forgive, right now forgiveness is quite a bit of a complex one. I, I don't think it's going to come easy. My prayer is that God will give you the grace to forgive, because forgiveness is where many people don't get to in their journey of healing. I don't think getting to forgiveness is a, is, is an event. No, it's a journey. But imagine sitting in front of the person who raped you, and you look into their eyes and say to them, "I want to let you know that I've forgiven you." And these people stole your childhood perhaps, or this person stole your childhood, this person you know, messed you up, got you twisted. But no matter how twisted we are as children, when we become adults, the story of God rewires us to find that we are no longer our twisted past. The word of god that is able to sh- to part the the bone marrows and to split even tissues can actually separate any painful story from who you are and give you the clarity of about your purpose clarity about your identity so you're no longer messed up wired back into the broken state area so when it comes to forgiveness you need to press a hard go to your hard drive and press press alt delete like take it out everything that has somehow reduced you you can't put the, the memories no matter how painful can never be a motivation on how you live and why you live so don't get bonded with your memories of the past separate yourself from the memories and begin to identify with the fact that the life of God inside of you is brimming for the world to see so I would say forgiveness is on three levels I'll say sometimes we need we need to the, the very important one is learning learning to forgive those who have perpetrated whatever inc- incidents racism rape whatever you've been through letting them go is the first step to healing secondly you also want to forgive. Sometimes the other people around the story. I remember someone was telling us of how she felt her father was an accomplice because he did not notice that she was being violated under his roof. He was so negligent. She thought he could not see. Now she had to forgive her father. Her father was not the rapist. He just could even he couldn't identify that there was some sociological or psychological changes going on in her body or around her. He kept he didn't see that. And the the person they gave they, they brought under their home became the molester of their daughter, but he couldn't see it. So maybe you have the same scenario where your father or your mom brought somebody home and they violated you. You have to just learn to forgive, right? Even your parents who didn't commit it, they demand, they need your forgiveness. The third one is forgiving yourself. That is a tough one because sometimes a victim has to reflect and say, how did I contribute to this? Why did I put myself in that situation? Hey, friend, you didn't put yourself in that situation. I I want you to learn to forgive yourself. It's, it wasn't your fault. You were raped or you were molested or you, you, were, you, were, you were victimized or you were violated or whatever whatever has been meant against you is a result of a broken world that we live in, right? But we can't let that brokenness become the, the temple and the theme of our story. You're free in God. You're fully redeemed in God. So your journey to wholeness, your journey to wholeness needs forgiveness. And I know many of us sometimes we erect walls to keep people away from us to protect our pain, but you cannot protect your pain Your pain is meant to heal because everything you bury in shallow grave, when the push comes to shove, you'll float to the surface and you realize you're not quite far gone from your trauma. Traumas are so painful to bond with and that's why many of us cannot bear bear to be by ourselves. We cannot be our own company because being away and being alone means that your traumas are back, your regrets and your guilt are knocking on your door asking you why are you such a failure, why are you such a mess, your life can amount to much. Now, all those voices of condemnation, Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. But how you fight those voices is first identifying who you are in God. When we resolve identity, we we resolve the conflict. Identity is no longer found in anything we can attain, but it's found in the fact that we are one with God, we are recalled in Him, we are redeemed in Him, we are restored in Him, and we are fully reclaimed in Him. So find your identity in your oneness with God. Find your identity in the story of Christ, in the person of Christ, in the expression of Christ, not anything else. And so if anything else has defined you, limited you, defaulted you, or made you less than who you are, Christ has come as our wholeness. Christ has come as our life. I am not here to, you know, all that we do every day is to remind us of who we are in God. If your journey is to become, you're not like Moses, you're not called to be like David. They are great guys, but you're called to reflect Christ. And Christ is the perfect image of God. He's not just a reflection of God. He's an invitation to us to discover exactly how God created us to be. And in Christ, we find our wholeness. Now, your, your journey of forgiveness, will that come easy? I don't think so. But I'll say it's important you prayerfully begin that journey. And the third thing is, Look for a community of people to work with you on your journey of healing. Look for a trusted friend, a therapist or a pastor, someone who can connect with your story, someone who you can take into confidence that can be part of your, your, your healing process. That person has to pray with you. That person has to study with you. That person has to, you know, I, I was talking about creating prayer of affirmation that you have to dial in from time to time to remind you that you're no longer found in this thing. That prayer of affirmation is calling you to find your expression in Christ. So you need that healing community. For many of us who are calling out for justice, justice is not a bad thing. Justice is good to have, but justice doesn't always translate to healing. Justice can resolve, but it doesn't always heal. Vengeance can answer you for it now, but vengeance doesn't always heal. Vengeance is the Lord, so we can't take laws into our own hands. Let the state run its course, but what you and I are called to give is to give forgiveness to even our perpetrators. It's a hard, hard act but God will give us the grace and the power. My prayer this morning for every one of us that is listening to me and to anyone who gets to listen this uh, at, at a different time is that God will bring you to a place of wholeness, God will bring you to a place of healing, that this morning you will, as you reflect over your experience and your journey, you will learn to filter and separate yourself from the painful stories of your past and find your true identity in the one who has now reclaimed you. My prayer for you is that as you gaze into the lens of your story and your pain, that God will give you the grace to work in fullness and in forgiveness, that you can no longer be bound by the chains of the people that have raped you, molested you, abused you. That is not the story God has called us to have. My prayer is that as we rise up whole, the ripple, of the, the ripple effect of God's healing will spread across the earth. God has called us to be whole. God has called us to express love. The world needs healing and the healing of the world is only a reflection of our healing and our wholeness. When we try to impose healing on the world without bringing it into the world, we fail to answer the question because you, my friend, you are the answer of, of the world. God placed us here to carry his presence, his life. Your God's address on earth, your God's avenue. God wants to express himself to the world through you, and the world can only experience God's healing through us. So, I, I and, and we cannot heal if we're not healed, we cannot carry the conduits of healing. And I, I keep saying it, and I've said it before here, guys. You and I are not necessarily looking for healing, the healer is in us, so we carry healing. But what we do is that we affirm that healing over and over, over and over again. As we affirm that healing, we oppose that healing over our circumstances. So I don't identify with my trauma, identify with my healer. I don't identify with my broken emotions, identify with the one who has redeemed me. My emotions can run wild, but my healer will restrain me in love. Let love find expression in you because love is the healing balm. So my prayer is that you come into a full revelation of God's love for you. That you and I are now fully baptized, guys. You know, I don't know how to pray this enough. That God will bring you to baptize you in the knowledge of his love and in the knowledge of his will. For you to know that you are truly, truly one with him. The world will not change if we don't change. The world is waiting for sons. Romans 8:19 talks about that the earnest expectations of creation await the manifestation of the sons of God. We are called to manifest our father. And may, may we all live a fully manifested life that we preach the gospel, not just with words, but with life we live. God bless you guys. Thank you. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.